Margaret Preston, president of Power Over Parkinson's, and today in conjunction with our POT profile series, we have James Vidrine, regional director at Fox Rehabilitation. James, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Margaret. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fantastic. I think our community would love to know a little bit more about Fox Rehabilitation and the resources that are available to them in our area. Uh, we'll tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what your role encompasses at Fox Rehabilitation. Yeah, so um, I, I'll kind of start from the beginning. I was uh, born and raised in South Louisiana. I uh, graduated from LSU, Louisiana State University uh, with an, um, a major in kinesiology. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, from there, I went to um, physical therapy school in St. Augustine, Florida, mm -hmm. um, where I met my lovely wife, Haley. Mm -hmm. um, from there, we traveled around a little bit as, as traveling physical therapists. Uh, we worked up in, in DC, we, we traveled out to California and worked there for a little bit and then um, moved to Virginia, where, where she's from, um, and started working for Fox. So this was back in 2017. Uh, we both started in with our Virginia Beach team mm -hmm. and uh, we're treating down there. And then in 2018, we started our team in Richmond. So, um, so our Richmond team has been around for about three years. Um, my role as regional director, I, um, yeah, I'm a physical therapist, but I also manage our team. Mm -hmm. So at, at this point, we have uh, 30 clinicians between physical, occupational and speech therapists and um, you know, we service service folks out in the community. So we see people in their homes to provide therapy services and also in senior living communities. So your independent living, assisted living, uh, memory care communities. Great. Oh, well, let's elaborate that on that a little bit more. Tell us what services would be um, offered to people with Parkinson's specifically. Yeah, of course. So, um, so I'll start with physical therapy. So uh, to kind of dive in, you know, what does a physical therapist do? And out of the three disciplines, I think physical therapy is the most well-known, the most um, understood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're working on things such as uh, gait training, um, strengthening, balance training, endurance training, uh, working on transfers, things of that nature. Um, you know, with folks with, with Parkinson's uh, specifically, you know, we're going to be working on more of those, we're going to be very detailed in our approach. So we're not going to just do the general strengthening exercises, we're going to target that those specific impairments that someone with Parkinson's may have. So, you know, we're really going to focus on um, trying to improve that hypokinesia, right, that those small movements that that shuffling gait that tends to happen through the progression of Parkinson's. So, you know, maybe doing um, reciprocal movements. So as you flex your left hip, bringing your right arm up at the same time, um, working on big movements, um, high amplitude, high velocity. Um, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the LSVT program. Um, we do have a lot of clinicians that are uh, trained and, and certified. So, you know, when we get, when we're seeing our, our Parkinson's patients, um, you know, we're, we're a lot of times implementing that program between physical and occupational therapy. Um, and then on the speech therapy side of things, that LSVT loud program. Um, but you know, so specifically, you know, back to, to physical therapy, you know, we're, we're always looking at what are the impairments? What are you having a hard time doing? And how can I help you achieve the goals you're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. um, you know, across all disciplines. Um, you know, our goal is to always 
improve function, improve safety, and ultimately improve someone's quality of life. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, now, occupational therapy, a little different than PT, uh, we're focusing, you know, those clinicians are focusing more on your occupational-based activities, your activities of daily living. So things such as dressing, grooming, bathing, um, you know, cooking, um, balancing your checkbook, you know, um, handwriting, certain things like that where, you know, you're maybe you're having a hard time uh, completing those tasks. And maybe it, it is because, you know, maybe you're not able to put your pants on because your balance is impaired. Um, so we're always going to look at the things, the functional activities that you're having trouble with um, and, and assisting there. So OT is more um, of those activities of daily living. Um, you know, a good example would be maybe someone, maybe someone who's, who's higher level is having a hard time in the grocery store, you know, because when you're in the grocery store, it's not just a wide open area, right? You know, you have your, your narrow lanes, you have people coming at you, um, you're having to dual task. Dual tasking is one of those things that tends to, to be impaired. Um, and what I, what I mean by dual tasking is doing more than one thing at once. So pushing your grocery cart, um, avoiding obstacles, and now reaching up for that can at the top shelf. You know, how am I able, how am I gonna be able to pull all those things together? Um, you know, that's something, you know, kind of a real life example of something we would be able to help with. And that would be, you know, kind of across all disciplines. Um, and then kind of going, switching over to our, our speech uh, language pathologist, our speech therapist, um, they're gonna be working on things such as, you know, the obvious one uh, you, would, you would think about would be swallowing, right? Um, there are a large portion of folks with Parkinson's disease have difficulty swallowing at some point in that progression um, at a higher risk of, of aspiration pneumonia. So working on strengthening those swallowing muscles, um, techniques on how to swap or swallow properly, um, perhaps coming up with compensatory strategies. Um, and then on the, the other side of that is the cognitive piece. Um, speech therapists can work on, um, on helping to not necessarily, um, you know, bring that 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 memory back or that cognitive function back, but working on strategies to help improve it and and um, you know be safer and, and be able to accomplish the tasks that they they want to be doing. So, through all three of our disciplines that we provide, you know, it's usually um, in all cases with all patients, it's going to be a team effort. We're going to be working together. Um, on all of our, our specialties, um, looking at, again, what that patient can do, looking at what they're having trouble with, coming up with a plan on how to um, ultimately reach the goals of improving that quality of life. Yeah, oh, it's nice to hear the three prongs and the connectivity between them all and um, really uh, 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 all-encompassing care um, in terms of touching each one of those three prongs. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. Um, I wanted to ask for our listeners, what would be, what would someone expect at that initial in-home um, intake appointment um, and thereafter? And then what types of metrics are in place to see uh, one's progress? Yeah, so whenever we um, start with a patient, we are 
I'm going to do an initial evaluation. So that initial evaluation is basically our time to um, establish baselines. Again, kind of what, what are you able to do? What are you able to do safely? What are you having trouble with? So we'll establish those baselines. Um, we're looking at the functional um, activities um, that they're, you know, that we're assessing. Um, and then we also use functional outcome measures. So these are standardized tests, um, you know, for instance, a five time sit to stand. So a five time sit to stand is how long does it take you to stand up and sit down from a chair five times, mm -hmm. right? So we'll, we'll time that, uh, we'll establish that baseline and that, and that specific test is um, determining or, or telling us uh, lower extremity strength. Now that's what, depending on what the score is, um, it will also tell us if you're at a higher risk of falling. So, um, and then we compare each patient's score to the normative values. So what is, what on average can a 70 year old male, how long does it take them to do? And let's compare it to your score. And then we'll establish goals that way. So it's always gonna be, um, you know, all of the testing that we're, we're choosing is based specifically on that patient. So we have strength testing, balance testing, endurance testing, um, things of that nature. And over time, um, we're gonna retest these, uh, you know, retest these, um, these tests that we're implementing to see how the patient is progressing. Um, you know, throughout that plan of care, we're always going to be, you know, we're, we may have to change things, you know, maybe day one at that initial evaluation, um, it, it was harder for you to go up the stairs, but then as time went on, that got a little easier. We got to make it more challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, we're always looking to challenge our patients. Um, not just, you know, it's not just day one, hey, what are your goals? Okay, we're going to get you there and then leave. It's, oh, we reached your goals. Well, let's go to that next level. Mm -hmm. What is it that you were doing five years ago or three years ago or six months ago that you're having trouble with now? Let's get there. That may be out in the garden. That may be going back to church. That may be bowling, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We want to get that patient back to what they want to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, as an outpatient provider, um, we have the flexibility to see our patients for as long as we really need to get them back to where they want to be. Now, of course, that needs to be skilled care, um, but with specific to Parkinson's, as, as we know, people's, um, you know, functional levels will uh, wax and wane. You know, you're, you may be having a good couple of weeks and then things may, you know, your functional levels may uh, drop a little bit. So we're going to be riding that wave with all of our patients um, when they're at a lower level. How, what can we do? How can we educate the uh, family members, the caregivers, the spouses on what can you be doing when this patient is at this level compared to, hey, I'm having a great day, a great week. Um, how can we kind of, you know, change our approach there? So, um, but throughout that plan of care, we're, we're always going to be taking it one day at a time, what you're able to do that day, what you're having trouble with. And uh, again, at the end of the day, um, we want to make sure that every patient can manage independently. Mm -hmm. Now, that may look different for a lot of folks. You know, that may be, again, independently may mean having somebody there to, to cue and assist when needed, but taking all of those, oh, those pieces and making sure that 
that person is able to do the things they want to do safely and manage it, manage it on their own. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on the cognitive piece. You touched on that um, during our prior question, but cognition and cognitive impairment is certainly something that can accompany those, one of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So what would you tell someone with Parkinson's or their care partner who are a little hesitant to think um, therapeutical services, they think of traditional PT, um, are hesitant to think that there's a resource for those cognitive impairments. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, what would you tell those folks? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. I think the cognitive piece in Parkinson's is sometimes overlooked, mm -hmm. um, or you know, we don't realize that there are resources out there. There are people that can help. So, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we aren't. I'm not going to sit here and say we're able to bring someone's memory back or bring someone's cognitive function back, but. Um, you know, we're always on day one going to establish that baseline, see what is it that you want to be doing, such as, you know, something remembering to take medications or, you know, let's say this patient uses an assistive device such as a rollator and they're forgetting to lock the brakes or they're forgetting to um, keep it close by when they're walking. You know, you, we may be using external cues. So, printing out a piece of paper that you're going to tape onto that rollator to say, hey, remember to lock your brakes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, working with the family members or the caregivers to say, um, hey, we're going to need to provide cueing or we're going to need to provide some sort of compensatory strategy to help mom or help dad or help whoever remember that you need to take your medications at this time. So it's more of working on um, you know, working together to figure out how are we going to accomplish the task that we're trying to get, you know, someone to, to do um, in a safe way and an effective way. Mm -hmm. And knowing when to cue, how to cue, working through that together. So, um, and again, I think that's a really important piece. Um, going back to, we always want to promote independence as much as we can. And that's a piece of it, because if you're forgetting to take your medications, in the morning, as, as I'm sure you know, it will affect your, your day to day. That may lead to a much higher risk of falling or a much higher risk of decline. So it's a very important piece, not, you know, the functional piece or the, the exercise piece is something we, we tend to focus on, but that cognitive piece is very important because with that progression, that is a piece that tends to, to progress as well um, or, or um, becomes a little more challenging, so. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think it's definitely something that's overlooked and um, a lot of people with Parkinson's or their care partners don't realize that there are resources out there. Again, not looking to necessarily reestablish memory, but how to um, put external factors in to um, positively impact it. Exactly, yep. Great. Um, so I'd be remiss not to mention COVID-19 in the interview. So I wanted to ask you over the last year and someone who's worked with people with Parkinson's, what has the pandemic, what type of role has the pandemic had on people with Parkinson's over the last year? Yeah, I think, um, and that's a, that's an excellent question because it, you know, we've, we haven't missed a beat in through COVID where we've been seeing our patients, um, we, we haven't stopped, right? And we've seen a lot of different folks establish or uh, go through a lot of different um, um, different situations. I think specifically to Parkinson's, mm -hmm. 
folks that were that had some sort of um, resource out there, whether it was a maybe you were going to your Rocksteady boxing gym, or maybe you were going to your local um, health health uh, club and you were exercising. Um, of course, we all know how important exercise is. It's one of the most important things. And I think with COVID, with things shutting down, it, um, it got people out of their rhythm. It got people um, that weren't able to go to their local gym. Well, hey, how am I supposed to exercise now? So one thing that we were um, fortunately able to bring is showing people, well, you can exercise at home using your you know, pieces of equipment at home. It doesn't need to be weights. It doesn't have to be fancy equipment. You can use canned goods. You can use a gallon of milk. You can use, um, you know, whatever mm -hmm. to challenge yourself. Do it safely, mm -hmm. but keep up with your exercise routine. Um, so, you know, my, my mom was actually diagnosed with Parkinson's um, last August mm -hmm. and, um, you know, having to go through that with her. Fortunately, she was able to get into an LSVT um, program and, and um, now has those exercises to do at home, has her home exercise program, um, can still go outside and walk around the neighborhood. But that was the biggest thing that I emphasized to her, hey, you have to do this. Um, now, granted, it was a new diagnosis and, and we went through those challenges. But for anyone, whether you've been diagnosed 10 years ago, 20 years ago, one month ago, you, you know, keeping up with that exercise routine, no matter what is so important. And, you know, talked about good days and bad days, kind of knowing, okay, I'm having a bad day. Maybe I need to do my exercises seated today, as opposed to standing or, you know, whatever it is. But COVID's been a big challenge. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to, to elaborate on that. But figuring out a way to make sure you're continuing with your program, um, your exercise program, um, and recognizing you can do it at home. You can do it, um, you can walk, go for a walk outside, but, but staying consistent is, is very important. So I, I guess to kind of summarize, my next question was related to what would you tell folks um, specifically who are hesitant to getting outside and doing um, physical activity? Maybe they're no longer going to their health club or their rock study boxing. Um, well, how would you want to summarize that in terms of what advice you would give those folks who are still a little hesitant? It sounds like you can modify things and do things at home, but if you want to elaborate on that, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think, um you know, if you're struggling to, to figure out, okay, you're telling me I can do things at home, but I really don't know what, or I really need some guidance because, you know, maybe you looked at some YouTube videos or you talked to a friend, but you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel safe. Um, first thing I would do is, is talk to your doctor. Um, you know, I, I would never want anyone to just try things that weren't, weren't safe, but talk to your doctor. Um, and, you know, make sure you perhaps physical therapy, you know, having a therapist come out to, to at least see you and establish a program would be a good start. Um, and, you know, and as things start to open up, I think um, trying to get back to, to something you're comfortable with, you know, right now it's tough to say, because if you're not comfortable going to, to what you were doing beforehand, then by all means, um, you know, I'm not saying to do that, but it's, it's finding, something you're comfortable with. I mean, to me, one of the biggest things that you can always do is go for a walk, you know, go. And if it's, if you live in a busy area or don't have a neighborhood, uh, you know, to walk around, maybe 
try to try to get out um, there. Um, a very simple exercise to do um, that you can do at home is just standing up from a chair and then sitting right back down. Now this is general, you know, maybe that's tough for somebody. So maybe that's not, not a realistic exercise, but um, you know, just doing things that are, are challenging enough for you, um, but staying moving, you know, sitting down, marching your, you know, picking your knees up, you know, something like that, just staying moving is so important. Um, but you know, you always want to have the guidance of a healthcare professional. So starting with your, starting with your physician, um, again, we as therapists are, are always happy to help and, uh, but having a plan, um, and making sure again, that, that each day you're doing something, you know, it's, it's so, so important. I think what you said is spot on. Um, I think a lot of times people think exercises, I have to be at a gym and I have to be on some sort of fancy equipment. But what you said, I think is so important. And it's a great reminder to our listeners that it's as easy as going for a walk or standing up and saying, yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it's movement. So right. what you said was a great reminder. Yeah, and I tell my mom, you know, if it's raining outside, um, go up and down the stairs 10 times, you know, that'll get your heart rate Right. Uh, up, you know, that'll, that'll get you sweating a little bit. So, um, you know, we, like I mentioned, we go into to people's homes. We don't have a ton of fancy equipment. You know, I go in with, with ankle weights, a foam pad, some TheraBand, you know, resistance bands and, and we make it work. And, um, I can promise you we're, I'm challenging every patient, you know, I see. And, um, so you, like you said, it doesn't need to be fancy equipment. It doesn't need to be a gym. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to to instructing a class in a couple of weeks to to show folks how you can do that at home using whatever it is you have. Um, so that's uh, that's the fun part of our job. So to tie a ribbon around the COVID questions, and then we'll we'll be done with that. What what types of precautions is Fox Rehabilitation taking to ensure the safety of both themselves and the people they go to visit um, within the homes? Yeah, so of course, from day one, we've we've been following um, all of the the CDC guidelines, um, wearing our our mask. We wear face shields. We'll wear gloves when appropriate. Fortunately, all of our um, clinicians have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So that's very exciting, a, a huge win. Um, and now we're we're each day we're seeing most of our uh, patients have been vaccinated. So. Um, but you know, we're still wearing all of our PPE. We all, um, when we enter a home, we're washing hands before we leave, we're washing our hands We're wiping down all of our equipment. Um, you know, we used to say reuse our TheraBand, right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll use this blue band with multiple patients. We're leaving that, you know, we we're always giving it to patients. Um, but now more than ever, we're, this is your TheraBand. We're not sharing it with anyone. So we're being very careful. Of course, um, you know, following all the CDC guidelines. Um, so, you know, I will say that when in the beginning, we've had a lot of hesitation of, of people wanting outsiders to come in, understandably, um, as the waves kind of come and gone. Um, it's gotten better, gotten worse. We're now at a point where I think most, most people are comfortable. Um, they know we're taking the every precaution. And I think people have realized um, physicians, family members, me and you, that the COVID pandemic has created a lot of people who stop moving, whether it's specific to Parkinson's or just older adults in general, or me or you, right? You know, I know I got thrown off my exercise routine. Um, you know, you stop moving. And what that has led to is increased falls, 
increased hospitalizations that can pro probably could have been prevented outside of COVID. Um, just just because um, people weren't weren't moving, you know, they've gotten weak, their balance has gotten impaired. So, um, you know, just making sure that if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, actually, that's me, talk to your doctor. Mm -hmm. Please talk to your doctor because the um, we've seen just a lot of functional decline through COVID that um, otherwise probably would have happened. So, yeah. 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 The benefits of movement and physical activity and rehabilitation outweigh the risks, I think, associated with COVID because COVID is temporary, knock on wood. Uh, Parkinson's is not. So it's a good reminder that you have to continue to manage the disease um, exactly. by way of movement. Uh, so as we conclude, James, tell us a little bit more about how our listeners can learn more about Fox Rehabilitation and get connected. Yeah, if you're... Um... If you're interested in learning more about Fox, you can go to foxrehab.org is our website. Um, Fox is actually in 22 states now. So if, you know, if, if we have some listeners that aren't um, local to Richmond, you can look at our website and see if we cater um, or if we're set up shop at an area near you mm -hmm. um, and talk to your doctors and, and let them know, hey, I'm interested in whether it's therapy or, or just establishing some sort of, of program. Maybe you haven't gone through the LSVT program. Um, I strongly encourage that. As I mentioned, we have um, a handful of clinicians that are certified that we would be able to take you through that program because through that, um, you know, you have these exercises to do over time. You know, it's something like my mom's exercises. That's what she does. She has the, the handouts. Um, she does them every day along with, you know, her other things, but um, you know, I would, I would, um, visit our website if you haven't already. Um, if your local physician is, you know, hasn't really heard of us or, or they don't, um, aren't familiar with us, you know, just, uh, we can follow up with them. Um, there's of course a phone number listed on our website, give us a call. Um, we'll get with your physician, get everything we need. If you're interested in, in coming our route and, um, yeah, we'll send a physician out to your home wherever you live and, and get started. Fantastic. Um, so for our listeners, we'll certainly provide that website information at the end of um, this presentation. And I also wanted to note uh, to our listeners who are listening in a timely manner, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, James will actually be hosting a Parkinson's Activity League event, a PAL event through POP um, at the Hunting Hawk Pavilion at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, April 28th. So if you're able to attend, reach out to us, uh, visit our website. You can register there and it's free to people with Parkinson's and their partners and they'll be led by James himself. So um, we hope you can attend that event. Um, James, I want to thank you so much for being part of our pop profile series today. Yeah, and thank you. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Thank you.